as I think about the difficult transitions and the ones that are actually kind of easier to accept, I think that one of the key characteristics is our sense of belonging, whether we feel like we have a sense of belonging as we go through these transitions. So in the Christian tradition, we have a lot of kind of artistic manifestations of our religious journeys. One of those manifestations is, uh, have you all heard of the Footprints poem? You've probably seen it on church walls or office walls or in a greeting card. Typically there's uh, an image of a beach with two sets of footprints and God and a person are talking and then there's one set of footprints during part of the path and the person says, God, why is there only one set of footprints? And God says, my child, that's when I carried you. So that, in some ways, I think demonstrates those easier transitions for us. In some ways, those transitions can feel like we're actually being carried, like it's not a lot of work, like we're being held as we go through those transitions. But I think that in, at some points, uh, those transitions aren't quite as easy. And there's this comic that I found that just comes to mind every time I think about these transitions. Can we pull that up? My child, I never left you. That long groove over there is where I dragged you for a while. <laughs> can, can anyone relate to that, just kind of being dragged for a while? <laughs> Some of those transitions feel a bit like we're just being dragged for a while. So I want to ask the question, whether we're being carried or whether we're being dragged, what is it that keeps us on the beach? What keeps us there in the presence of God, staying in and hanging in for the journey? Does that make sense? So I want to talk about this element of belonging. A few psychiatrists or psychologists um, came up with a theory, this is one of many theories, about human development and how we stay motivated, how we maintain a, maintain a sense of identity in the midst of transitions. So these psychologists are Edward Dietschy and Richard Ryan, and they came up with the theory that there are three things that every human being needs in order to feel a sense of motivation and a sense uh, of uh, identity in the midst of these big life transitions. Those three things are autonomy, a sense of self, a sense of personhood, a sense of distinctiveness, uniqueness. The second one is belonging or relatedness, so a sense of connectedness to other people, a sense of rootedness and sameness with others. And the third one is competence, the ability to contribute to a field, the idea to, uh, that we can actually uh, build something, contribute to something, that we have a knowledge base and acumen that matters and that can change things. So those ABCs, right at the heart of those ABCs is the sense of belonging, of the sense of rootedness and connectedness to others. And so I want us to talk about that today. The biblical text is filled with stories about how we belong with God, how we belong with other people, and how we belong with ourselves. So let's look at a few of those. In, the, in Genesis, so early, early, early on, we have God appearing to Abram. A covenant. To set up a covenant with Abram, who would then become Abraham. Uh, in creating this covenant, these are the words that God speaks directly to Abram. I am El Shaddai. Walk with me 
and be trustworthy. I will make a covenant between us, and I will give you many, many descendants. Abram fell on his face, and God said to him, But me, my covenant is with you. You will be the ancestor of many nations. Your name will no longer be Abram, but Abraham. I will make you very fertile. I will produce nations from you, and kings will come from you. I will set up my covenant with you and your descendants after you in every generation as an enduring covenant. I will be your God and your descendants' God after you. I will give you and your descendants land in which you are immigrants, the whole land of Canaan, as an enduring possession. I will be their God. This is a text about a mutual claiming. It is an invitation by God and in that invitation, God offers to Abram a sense of continued presence, attentiveness, love, and connection. And not only did God offer to accept Abram as belonging to God, but God also offers his sense of belonging to Abram. This is a mutuality. Both parties get to share in the sense of belongingness. And then, further on in the text, in the Gospels, we have even more demonstrations of how God says that God will belong to us and that we can belong to God. In John 10, we have the text, I am the good shepherd. So the Gospel of John, one of the key characteristics of the Gospel is that there are a lot of I am statements. Over and over again, Jesus is saying, I am the bread of life, I am the gate, I am, I am, I am. And in this text, we have Jesus saying, I am the good shepherd. So I want us to take a look at this and think about the image that we are given for what it means for us to belong to Jesus and Jesus to us. The text says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep and they know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, I give up my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that don't belong to this sheep pen and I must lead them too. They will listen to my voice. There will be one flock with one shepherd. How cool is this? So uh, what Jesus is saying in this text, Jesus is saying that he is a good shepherd. Right before this, he has described what a hired hand does. He says that the hired hand abandons the sheep so that when the wolf comes, it kills the sheep and scatters them. But he is the good shepherd who will lay down his life for the sheep who is willing to protect the sheep, cover the sheep, and love the sheep. And we are those sheep. Not only that, though, he points out that there are others who we don't know, who we can't see around us, who are loved and protected and covered by God. And we may not see them as part of the flock, but Jesus claims them too. Jesus says that they belong to him and he belongs to them. And ultimately, whether we see each other or not, whether we feel each other or not, we are all part of one flock, one body, one kingdom. So good. <laughs> so the biblical text, that's what we have for the understanding of God belonging to us and us belonging to God. But the biblical text can also show us how we are meant to belong to each other. And as I think about it, I think this may be the most difficult part of our sense of belonging belonging to each other. As much as we love our communities, as much as we care about and tend to our communities, communities are made up of people. 
and people have different backgrounds and beliefs and thoughts and opinions and relationships. And so communities and belonging can get very complicated very quickly, right? Yeah. So I think uh, that the sense of belonging with one another in those moments when it does start to get complicated because people disagree, I think that the issue is that communities have a tendency to, instead of working things out, instead of being in it together, they tend to split off. And the term that I'm using for this is conditional belonging. Conditional belonging is that setting in which one person belongs as long as they believe a certain way, behave a certain way, speak a certain way, love a certain way, all of those things. Conditional belonging. We have 37,000 Protestant denominations in our world. 37,000? I know. That is a result of conditional belonging. Because the moment that one person starts to doubt, starts to question, starts to feel a little concerned or different, rather than working things out, the community either says, you no longer belong, or the person says, I no longer belong. Okay. So we see conditional belonging happening not only in the church, but also in politics and relationships all over uh, in our daily lives. And I think that one of the most clever and appropriate forms of conditional belonging that we see in pop culture actually uh, manifests itself in the movie Mean Girls. <laughs> Anyone? Mean Girls? It's a movie about a, a bunch of mean girls. And <laughs> so in this movie, <laughs> we have one girl being inducted into the mean girl group, and these are the rules. You can't wear a tank top two days in a row. You can only wear your hair in a ponytail once a week. Oh, and we only wear jeans or track pants on Fridays. Now, if you break any of these rules, you can't sit with us at lunch. <laughs> you can't sit with us at lunch. Isn't that kind of what we say to each other? You can't sit with us at lunch. It's like that's the height of belonging. You can't sit with us at lunch. <laughs> but I think we see our communities kind of doing this. It's when we set up those rules. It's when we set up those specific needs for the community and we need for others to simply comply. So on some level, I think that when we encounter someone who believes differently or thinks differently, we can kind of move to this tendency to say, you can't sit with us at lunch. Um, so as I mentioned, the Christian church has 37,000 Protestant Christian denominations right now, and that is a lot of denominations. This church is one of those denominations, and we love our beloved community. One of the things that we celebrate in this community is our sense of belonging. And we even devoted the first part of our year to a series called Together in This. You all remember that series? Yes. We looked at what does it mean to be together and what is it that we're together in, right? Yes. The sense of togetherness. Uh, we basically focused during that series on what it means for us to be inclusive what does acceptance look like in our community? What does love look like in our community? And we emphasize that those are priorities for our community. Those are priorities for who we are as a body. We must belong together. We must include each other. And I think that over time, the goal has to be to maintain the sense of belonging and the sense of holding that we have created the sense of being able to be together and also be different together, right? Um, 
So when someone differs from us, I think the goal should be for us to view it as an opportunity for growth and learning. We need to remain teachable regardless, really, of how far we've come on our journeys. We need to remain teachable. One biblical story that uh, just came to mind as I was thinking about the sense of belonging and community together is the story of Ruth and Naomi. Yes, you all know the story of Ruth and Naomi. So in this story, Ruth demonstrates a sense of perseverance and commitment with her mother-in-law, Naomi. After Naomi's husband and two sons die, one of whom was Ruth's husband, Naomi attempts to send Ruth and Orpah, who is the other daughter-in-law, away. Naomi urges Ruth to leave her and to disconnect from her, saying, you no longer belong with me. But this is what Ruth's pleading response was. Do we have it? It says, don't urge me to abandon you, to turn back from following after you. Wherever you go, I will go, and wherever you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. Wherever you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord do this to me, and more so, if even death separates me from you. So while Naomi is urging her out of her community, while Naomi has flat out said, you don't belong here, Ruth says, I do belong. Ruth fights to remain with Naomi because she knew that they needed each other and because she knew that we need each other. Nick and I, as we were planning our wedding ceremony, we wanted to be really intentional about which Bible verses we used. We wanted to keep them in context and uh, keep it as close to what the biblical narrative was as possible. So inevitably, we ended up in the book Song of Solomon. (laughs) Song of Solomon. Uh, 6-3, I am my beloved's, and my beloved is mine. I am my beloved's, I belong with him. He is mine, he belongs with me. This relationship emphasizes a sense of mutual belonging and a mutual belovedness between us, and it also points us toward our sense of belonging continually with God. We are held with one another in the same way that God actually held us and formed us in our mother's womb. And in our continual becoming, in our continual development, we shape one another with that same attentiveness and love and care. The belonging that we feel for each other also in some ways helps us to belong to ourselves, to claim ourselves. I've told friends of mine that uh, one of the reasons Nick and my marriage works as well as it does is because really at any given moment when asked about me, Nick will say far more kind and generous and loving and positive things about me than I would say about me. Does that make sense? Yes, at any given moment, that is what he would do for me. And the beautiful thing is that the inverse is true, that at any given moment I am prone to doting on his brain and his heart and his being Really, at any given moment, I could just go on and on and on. I won't (laughs) in a more positive way than he ever would about himself in that given moment. Actually, even uh, a few weeks ago, I was asked about Nick's... I'm going to embarrass you. Sorry. (laughs) A few weeks ago, I was asked about his dissertation progress. They asked about how his writing was going. 
Uh, you know, how many chapters has he done? How's that dissertation coming? My response, he is so great. It's not what they asked. <laughs> that wasn't the question. <laughs> that was not the question. But at any given moment, I am prone to have this sense of belonging with him and his belonging with me come out of me because we hold each other, because we belong with one another. Does this make sense? Comes out. Okay, so in the midst of belonging with God and God to us and belonging to each other and to our communities, I think the last point that we need to talk about is the sense of belonging to ourselves. This sounds kind of strange when I say it, belonging to ourselves. This is my body, my brain, of course I belong to myself. But I think that in light of the kind of reality that most of us are our biggest critics, At the end of the day, most of us are our biggest critics. We need to figure out a way to claim our sense of belonging with and to ourselves. Brene Brown at a conference recently gave a speech called Sweaty Creatives, Why Your Critics Aren't the Ones Who Count. Sweaty Creatives. I highly recommend the video. Go home and YouTube it. It's great. Uh, But during her talk, she used a quote by Theodore Roosevelt. In this quote, uh, he gave a speech in 1910 at the Sorbonne in Paris, uh, and his speech was entitled Citizenship in the Republic. I'm going to use it now as a way of framing this understanding that we must belong to ourselves. So the quote is, it is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again because there is no effort without error and shortcoming. But who does actually strive to do the deeds? Who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat. Belonging to ourselves is about commitment commitment to create, to connect, to work, and to persevere. We all have critics. Sometimes they sound like a coworker or a boss or a friend or a family member or a number of other people, and often even they can sound a lot like ourselves. In her talk, Brene Brown actually encourages us to invite those critics into our arenas into our lives and our work and our beliefs and our passions because she says they'll show up no matter what. They're the ones with the power though to hold us back, to tell us that we deserve to stay small, to stay quiet, to stay unduly submissive. They're the ones who tell us not to celebrate, not to celebrate the positive moments, the joyful moments, and then 
on the other side, not to grieve life's losses and changes, because it is in those moments of celebration and those moments of grief that we connect and belong most with God and with each other and with ourselves. Those critics are the ones who, at the end of the day, encourage us to disconnect, to separate, to destroy, and to limit, simply by telling us that we do not or that we will not belong. So we need to love ourselves. We need to claim ourselves. We need to belong to ourselves. The command of Deuteronomy that Jesus then reiterated to his followers was to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your being, with all your strength, with all your mind, and to love your neighbor as yourself. As yourself. I think this is the hardest part for many of us, right? As a chaplain, I am constantly hearing this phrase, self-care. That's the word that we use. We need to take care of ourselves. Self-care, it's the stuff that makes us whole, makes us feel like full human beings with complicated and beautiful and difficult and wonderful lives that need continual integration in order to continue to move forward. Self-care, in its essence, is a reminder that I belong to me and that I belong to God and to a whole host of others, but never just to one entity. We've been given the gift of belonging. We see it in our holy text, in the ways that we live our lives, in history, in culture, media, relationships, all over the place we see belonging. And today, and in the coming weeks, and in the coming months, especially as a church, we need to focus on how we belong. How do we reinvigorate our sense of belonging with a God who can hold our hurt, hold our brokenness, and hold our joys, who says, you are my people, you are my person, you are my child, and I am your God. How do we fortify the belonging that this church has cultivated among its beloved, reminding each other continually that we are here, that we are strong, and especially that after all we have been through as a community, we can certainly bear with each other in our moments of needs? How do we remember that we each belong to ourselves and retrain those voices, those sensors in our brains to scan for the positive, to scan for the strengths, and to give permission to celebrate the beauty that we create every day in our world? So may we go forth, remembering the call to belonging with God, with others, and with ourselves. May we abide silence so that we can still hear the quiet voice that whispers, you are my beloved. I will never leave you nor forsake you. May we reach out to one another in love, accepting our difference and our sameness with the same openness that Christ has taught us. And may we, at the end of the day, look at ourselves in the mirrors of our lives and calmly say to ourselves, to others and to God, I belong.